Discover how you can green your life by building a knowledge base of current sustainable and eco-savvy trends. This series will delve into hot topics, current standards and practices, ways to design better spaces, and specify materials that benefit not only us as consumers, but the world as a whole. Members of Caragreen, as sustainable materials distributors, and other industry leaders weigh in throughout the series. This is Build Green, Live Green. Hi, this is Jessica with Build Green, Live Green, and today we have a special guest who is also another Jessica, Jessica Jenkins from Think Lab, and she is in charge of research and content. Um, hey, Jessica, thanks for coming hey, on. Hey, Jessica, thanks so much for having me. Yes, Great I'm so here in, in, in Florida at the, at the event down there, and um, I'm glad we finally got together to do this, so I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So, okay, so you can you tell us a little bit um, about Think Lab and also about your background? Because you do come from the materials side of things. So if you want to just kind of give us a little bit of your background, how you came to Think Lab and, and what Think Lab is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jessica Jenkins, I'm on the research and content team at Think Lab, as Jessica mentioned. So Think Lab is the research division of Sandow Design Group. Um, you may be familiar with media brands that we have, like Interior Design Magazine, uh, Lux Interiors, and uh, Metropolis. So some of those brands are very, very familiar to the A&D audience. And then we are kind of this uh, nerdy underbelly, we like to say, of everything. We are the research arm. So we really focus on architecture and design and the whole industry ecosystem and how it relates to one another. And we focus our industry research um, really to help manufacturers, brands, and also architecture and design firms leverage some insights and in how this world that we work in is evolving and changing and really how to stay ahead. So that's really our focus. And my background is in material sales. Like you said, I worked for um, two flooring, manufact flooring manufacturers previously, and I also studied interior design. So kind of a typical trajectory into the interior design sales side. Um, and I met Amanda Schneider, our founder and president, at a industry event and through some of our design hackathon research process, I was on one of the uh, panel groups that we had looking at, or focus groups that we had looking at research uh, for the B2B sales industry. So kind of a funny way to get into research, but I was just so excited about, well, how can we do things better? How do we really dive into uh, understanding the, the nitty gritty of the industry? I think there is a lot of information out there, but there's not much truly focused on the architecture and design industry as far as it relates to B2B sales, as far as it relates to how specifiers want to select product, what they're looking for um, beyond trends, but really how they want to be served as clients as well and how that's evolved with really digital um, and how and how we can look to really consumer brands to do some of that. Yes. So that was a lot um, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You know, as, as, a, as a, um, a manufacturer and a distributor, you know, trying to sell, I, I you're making a lot of assumptions about the A and D space. And I think we've always done that. And I was laughing the other day because I was thinking about the assumptions we made about how long it takes from when you meet someone to, you know, when a project actually closes. And I remember saying 12 to 18 months and then saying 12 to 24 months. And then now I, I say no less than 36 months, you know, as a standard rule of thumb in it. And it's just it's it's and part of that comes from some of the research and and information that you guys are putting out there and pulling this large group to find out you know what the reality truly is and what that means to manufacturers. So I love that you guys are doing this and um, anything that we can do to kind of help propagate some of the research you're doing. I think it it helps the industry as a whole because there is a massive void there when it comes to vetted data directly from you know the the people that you're marketing to the A and D community. Absolutely. Um, 
so so with that and and with your um kind of as you guys have sort of come to the forefront here in the last several years um the the market changed dramatically during that time too so what have you seen kind of along that vein because when in 2019 while there was conversations about digital we we our strategy was still get a lunch and learn with a firm go in there buy them lunch drop a few hundred dollars cross your fingers hope they take some of your samples and then go back in 6 months and see if anything happened rinse and repeat that was our strategy leaving 2019 so i've got to imagine that um, with all the events of the last few years that has changed quite a bit absolutely and i i've i lived through that right i was a rep during that 2019 pre pandemic i hate to use that word um going into 2020 and how really that shifted and i think a lot of people have said this right that it just accelerated where we were likely headed but it really rapidly changed the the, 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 the relationships that we had and how we talked to these clients, right? Um, and we actually studied just this. So we had the same question of, well, what's evolving in the B2B sale world? And in 2020, we did our first uh, design hackathon research process where we studied just that of what is, how is that evolving? Uh, and what was interesting is what we found was, yeah, people still wanna do business with people. So that's good news, right? People still wanna do business with people, but they do also want to digitally self-serve information and be able to find uh, information faster, more efficiently, and also know that it's trusted on what websites and, and information that they're getting from the websites that they're researching from, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of this yes and, right? Like people are not going away. We still want those relationships. No one wants to call a 1-800 number that has a robot right. that they can never speak to a right. real human, but they right. also don't want to have to call a human for some of the more basic information. And right. taking it a little step further, so we kind of had this big aha in 2020. And last year in 2022, I'm like, what year is that? 2022, we took it a step further and said, well, we know that people want to do business with people. And we also know that they want to be digitally self-served. So where in the process, especially for specifiers, where in that design process do they want those relationships? Mm -hmm. And what we found was really five unique personas that really mm -hmm. came out of that research that, you know, it wasn't a one size fits all. While both, while all five definitely want digital and a human, where they want it in their process is different and varies by those personas. So there's personas like rep first, which is one that I think we're all very familiar with, very comfortable. Yep. That's one that's tried and true in our industry. Yep. But there's also one like brand first, uh, yep. digital, digital first, data first, and sustainability first. And what's really cool is we've been tracking that since we started and launched that industry research. And sustainability, sustainability first has really grown. And yep. that is the one that actually wants the most digital um, content out there. And I think it's because it's so nuanced. It's so technical. They mm -hmm. don't necessarily need a, a, a coffee and a happy hour to get the information. Right. They need like the nitty gritty, true information for sustainability. So really interesting as you're looking at how do you sell to five different personas? How do you really understand them? How does your marketing strategy align with that along with your sales strategy? And how do you, um, Kind of create that what we love to call is that digital journey that physical I like that term it's a combination of physical and digital and you guys use that um digital so um yeah I, I've seen that research and I think it's is it publicly available it is, uh, parts of it are so right. we have five different ways that we really like to get information out there mm -hmm. and I would say if you're not following our design nerds anonymous podcast that one follows along post research 
Uh, Amanda Schneider is the host of that podcast. And what she does is really interview people and take the concepts further. So you get this conversational outside industry inspiration, inside industry inspiration to further understand uh, what that research means in a day-to-day context. So really great way to understand some of those personas, understand that research. We also have an on-demand learning tool. It's on the Teachable course, and it's a about a one hour self-guided course with video. And one of the researchers, Meredith Campbell, is actually the host of that, where she really runs through and takes you through the entire body of research. Um, this year, we did something a little bit differently, like you were saying. So where can people get this information? For the hackathon research we did this year, we're actually publicly releasing the findings. So that's kind of a new uh, push for us, too, because we feel like some of this research is just so valuable. And while we kind of give out nuggets here and there, we feel like these insights are so valuable for our industry and an all boats rise mentality that if we all embrace these, our whole industry can grow in a positive way. Um, so right. that one will be coming out in August. Yeah, that's great. And I think that people should look out for that. And the Design Nerds Anonymous podcasts are, are generally pretty short. They're a quick listen, but very, very informative, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. yep. And very conversational. So they're easy to tune into. And if you are a rep on this call um, and you have any driving time, they're easy to tune into. Um, great little insights to even bring to clients. And also they're just, they're kind of just fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the podcast is Design Nerds Anonymous. And then um, you also mentioned that, you know, these, these personas, these five personas, and I don't want to get off that because I think it's really important that you guys have profiled the A&D industry to find the five types of people that manufacturers of any building materials are actually marketing to. And, and seeing how if you're really dependent on this rep first model and you've just relied on that for so long, which there is a lot of old school mentality with some of these more kind of commoditized building materials and people can't get away from that thinking that everyone's the rep first. It's really worth looking at the way you guys have broken out these personas because every manufacturer could really tweak the way that they market and sell if they really pay attention to who the people are because they've changed dramatically. And you know, not in not just the people. I mean, you can probably talk to this too, but the workplace itself and where people are has changed dramatically as well. Have you guys done any research on that? We've done a lot on Gen Z, but I want to go back to this persona thing before we finish mm-hmm. that, because that goes into like a whole other animal of inclusivity yeah. and understanding more of these yes. other you know differences. Because to your point, it's like if we're designing for inclusivity, if we're selling for inclusivity, you kind of have to understand who these personas are. And if there are designers listening to, it's not a, hey, this is who you are and this kind of label of you, but it's more of a, hey, when do you really like to be uh, served by a human? How do you like to specify? How do you, where do you want those relationships? Where are the bottlenecks too of where you're not getting that information? And for reps, um, as a traditional rep, I mean, rep first was the way that we always thought every specifier liked to be treated. And also it's quite time consuming. Rep first can be time consuming for the rep. So I think in a positive way, understanding, oh, they really need me in this phase. This is when they really expect me to be there, show up, it also saves you time because what we yeah. also found was that no one has extra time and reps especially do not have extra time to, you know, send an evil that may not get read if that's not the preferred method for those right. specifiers. So it, it's yeah. harder to probably narrow down, you know, you have, I think there's over 90,000 designers in the U.S. Uh, from our used to Burr research was our U.S. design industry benchmark that is also public if you want to dive into the demographics yeah. and understand yeah. more of the industry at large. 
Uh, what I love about that, though, is as a rep, how do you reach all of your clients and where do you spend your time? And that's always the 80-20 the rule, right? Like where do you really focus your time? But understanding those nuances can also help narrow that down and not feel so overwhelming. Yeah. Which is great and, from the research, from and the rep side. And, and I think for someone like myself who, you know, with Caragreen, I kind of, it's easier for me to have a process and say, you guys follow this process rather than let everyone kind of willy nilly do things their own way. But the problem with that becomes if you have one process for communicating with these five different personas, it's not going to work. You, right. It, so, so it's, it's really interesting. It, it puts the onus back on the manufacturers to really make sure you are understanding kind of at almost at the individual level, how those people want to be talked to or met with and when. Um, and I think that's just only going to continue to evolve, especially with this kind of work from home hybrid um, environment. You know, people just they've really anyway. just yeah, they've really just what? changed. They want to be communicated with and how. Right. I always get mad when people are texting each other, but some people want that. I think, oh, my God, how are you? You have no traceability. Right. You can't go back and look at that price you just gave them over text. Um <laughs> But, it, you know, it, but you, you have to find ways to navigate that. You do. And I think to your point, that personalization is huge and having choice. So even from a marketing standpoint, it's, you have to build in so many choices, right? Of, well, do they like the email communication? Do they like the text message communication? What is that? And it's interesting, even when we talk to architects and designers, even internally for them, it's, well, why don't we just ask the question? And I think it's, you know, you don't have to know all this. You don't have to assume you understand all of your clients' nuances of how they prefer to communicate. But even asking the simple question of how do you prefer and then documenting that and understanding that is a, is a huge step uh, to really personalizing your communication. And it's a kind of a simple one that you can often get overlooked. Well, and it's easy to think that, you know, you know, you get, you ask yourselves, you ask your team, hey, how do your designers want to be communicated with? So you're trying to pull this information out of, you know, clients that, that, that you may be meeting with, but you guys have already kind of done a lot of this, a lot of this groundwork, right? So I, I do, one question I have is me, if I try to go ask architects and designers, it's going to take me ages to get the right contacts, the right people. What channels are you guys using so that you have, you're getting this large amount of feedback? Is it your relationships through these other um, affiliated companies that give you that connection to all those people yeah. that they're willing to give you that feedback? That's a great question. So we have a few different ways, but we also have our own bank now. So designers can opt in. If you go on our website, you can opt in to be part of our survey database, our research database, and really our last survey that went out, we had over 1,800 architects and designers respond, 2,500 total of the industry, but 1,800 specifiers, I should say, not just architects and designers, but really anyone that specifies um, and is a designer, whether they're at an end user, traditional A&D firm or other. Uh, so 1,800 in just one survey yeah. that really collects a lot of information to your point to do that many focus groups, to do that much voice of customer for one brand is really challenging. And it's taken years to really build that database, but also build that trust with the A&D community that we're not, uh, I think because we're kind of this middle ground and we're not necessarily selling them a product, but we are understanding them to help manufacturers help them as well, right? Help get, get their job done. I think yeah. there's been a lot of trust that's been built. Uh, but to your point, it, that would, it's challenging. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits of having a true research firm that's focused on our industry. It's not just the every few years we do something about A&D. It's that is really our bread and butter is this industry. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. And I think it's it's a huge service to, you know, companies like mine and manufacturers in general to, you know, look into that data and, and really use what's publicly available to benefit our companies. Um, it wouldn't be a real business if there was not some monetization aspect of, sure. of lab. So do you guys do like um, private studies or contract work like that? To, like what's your revenue stream? We do. So we have a couple different ways. So our we're very fortunate to have amazing partners when we do our design hackathon research. So typically we have around nine to 10 research partners uh, during that process. That's a big one for us, but also we do um, focus groups really individualized client work. So if a client has a specific need, whether it's their website or marketing strategy or sales strategy, we can also do um, smaller real workshop type of consulting as well. So those are kind of the main two, I would say. We have a few other ways as well. Um, CEUs is a big one for us. We understand that thought leadership is huge and designers do need that technical information and that inspiring information to get their job mm -hmm. done. So that's also a bigger um, kind of client-based work that we do. Okay. And so in website, thinklab.com, and yes. um, the podcast was Design Nerds Anonymous, um, who would they email to get more information if someone was interested yes. in? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we have a, oh, I'm going to now fire hose you with a few different options. So <laughs> we have, if you're a designer, uh, the learning objective is a great one. That is our first, the first ever CEU accredited podcast. But I would say that the, in, the conversations are just so interesting. So if you are a rep, as well. I highly recommend tuning in because they're very hot topics um, just to get yourself knowledgeable about what the AMD community is really interested in. Things mm -hmm. like designing with equity, um, data and design. So they're really interesting topics beyond just the CEU accreditation, but it's a bonus that they're credited. Um, and then if they want to contact someone about our insider portal, which is really where we house a lot of our exclusive information and data, whether that is um, product studies and product category studies, uh, and then additional research that we do on top of that, that would be Insider. And you can contact Mary-Kate McCarthy. Also, you can look at thinklab.design uh, and you can also find that information there as well. But Insider is a great one as well if you're looking for more heavy heavy uh, duty equipped with insights on a daily basis. Okay. And then last question, um, what's kind of the next next field of study for you guys? What's the next kind of big research? Okay, project? so we just got done with our, and we're kind of in the ending of it, but uh, we're going to start launching this out. And this is the one that I got to be a part of. So this was our last design hackathon from this past six months where we studied Gen Z. And it was truly a six month research process around Gen Z. And the reason why um, is because we've heard this across the board from the top 200 design firms that recruiting, retaining and connecting with talent is so challenging, especially for the firms that are still working in hybrid, which seems to be the case for majority. Um, not seems to be, 75% are in that <laughs> based on research, I shouldn't say seems. Uh, but what's really interesting is what we found, and I'll give you one of my favorite ahas that we found was you go into these research projects thinking, okay, we're going to, I'm assuming it's going to be like this, right? Or we're testing this. So we thought that Gen Z would be very similar if you looked at kind of like a trend line, that their preferences, behavior would be very similar to millennials. And what we found was it was more of a boomerang and where their preferences, behaviors, and kind of perceptions were more similar to Gen X and sometimes even baby boomers. So really interesting. And that will come out in different ways. So we really tackled kind of how do you have creativity in hybrid, not just hybrid, but how do you have creativity today with digital uh, mentorship, uh, career paths? What does yeah. that look like? How do you retain talent? 
Uh, we also talked about loyalty. Is that dead or is that you know a possibility to have loyalty to a company today? So we've really tackled some of these heavier hitting questions for not just firms, but really for companies looking to recruit and retain their talent. Yes, that's great. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes out as well. And I know you guys do um, generally send out um, announcements when, the, when, when you're kind of uh, presenting that research to the industry. So um, I'll look for the webinars on that too. Yes, please do. We'll have a lot of uh, Digimars, which are digital seminars that are available for everyone. Please tune in. We'll be dishing out a lot of interesting information. Awesome. Thank you, Jessica. Thank this you, is Jessica. It's been really great. This is Jessica with Bill Green, Live Green.